I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. Most importantly, we're glad you're here. Yes. You're the one that makes all this a beautiful thing. But we need you more than you'll ever know. Bill and I just, we have so much scripture bottled up that we need to let out and we need an audience. We need somebody to, to hear this good news that we've got contained inside of us because it's such good news. And it's so cool, these thoughts that come from God. We just want to share them so bad because they, we know they are from God. God wrote the book. It's just, I don't know, you could say brilliant or anything, but it's just beyond brilliant. It's it's beyond what a human could write. It is so intricate and so unbelievably <laughs> fascinating. It sure is. I, I wanted to say we want to set people free, but I, I really don't mean we want to set people free. We want to see people set free from the message that we're putting on the podcast. And we can say, we can do a podcast and someone can listen to the podcast and catch it and someone means nothing to them and it has zero to do with their intellect or education or ability to understand things no that's why you hear us constantly saying we pray that you'd receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that your the eyes of your heart would be opened so you can see how good God is, how high and low and wide and deep is the love of God and be able to comprehend it. This love that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses human intellect. That's what we're, we're saying. Matter of fact, when Bill said some people grab it and some people don't, it's because it's grabbed with your spirit, not your mind. It's the spirit that understands the goodness of the plan of God. That's why in 1 Corinthians it, it, it said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has understood the goodness of this plan that God has. God has in store for those who love him. Yes. But he has revealed it through his spirit. Spirit. And it's spiritually discerned. We're just so glad for you. We pray for you all the time. We're constantly praying for you that, that you would have the spirit so you could pick up 
how cool this Bible is. Reminds me of in Psalm 90 where it says, Awaken us in the morning with your loving kindness. And it's that Hebrew word, hased. People that interpreted the Bible don't really know how to interpret that word. Loving kindness. It's, it's, we say grace. So he says, wake me up. It's an awakening to something. It's an, it's a, that's what knowing means. It's, it's not something I, I can tell Steve, I want to teach you about love and kindness and grace. And Steve can say, I, I've studied that. I, I know, know all about it, but it's just by him saying, I know all about it disqualifies him from actually knowing it. It's, it's an, it's an experiential thing that you're awakened to wake us in the morning with your loving kindness. And he said that after 40 years of being in the wilderness And then he gets to the point in Deuteronomy where Moses is... Deuteronomy is like a series of sermons from Moses after the... You know, they've been in the wilderness for close to 40 years and he's coming to the end of his life and Joshua is about to take over. There's a picture right there. Joshua surpasses the law. But he's saying we've wandered 40 years in the wilderness, but now awake us with your loving kindness. And then it says, so we can continue the rest of our life in this grace that, that you've awakened us to really cool concept there. When you talk about the grace of God and the the new covenant and the gospel, you kind of got to go back to some things that can trip us up and, I've heard people say, well, didn't, didn't Jesus say, don't think I came to destroy the, the law and the prophets? Is that in uh, Matthew 6, I think? I think Matthew 5. But 5. Yeah. 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 Jesus came and changed the covenants and made a colossal change in the covenants. But yet we seem to carry that old covenant into this new covenant because we don't know what Christ did on the cross and and we just are literally confused by such passages as as you just mentioned to. Maybe we should look at that passage in Matthew 5. Okay. But he did come. and, And you know what? This is an Easter message. We're trying to tell you about what Jesus accomplished through his burial and resurrection, the good news of what he accomplished on Easter. It's very good news. It's a real game changer. But verses like Bill's going to show us, they confuse people. Yeah, so this is the Sermon on the Mount, and it's primarily to his disciples. It says Jesus went up to the mountain, he saw the crowds of people, and he went up to the mountain and his disciples followed him up in the mountains and he sat down and began to teach them. And when you get to verse 17, this doesn't allow you to think about a new covenant on the surface. Mm-hmm. So let me just read it. Okay. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think, don't even think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, 
until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So you come to verses in the in the epistles where it just blatantly says, sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. And you have Jesus here saying, don't think I came to abolish the law. Yeah. No, no. Is that a contradiction? Right, right. Does the Bible contradict itself or which side of the coin do you land on? Which side of the fence do you stay on? Well, it does all make sense and tie together, though. We can look at that just by looking at the couple verses before what Jesus just said. Major hint. Major hint. Major hint. You want me to read that? Okay. So I started at 17, but I'm going to back up to 14. 14. Okay. Talking to his disciples. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Oh, there's more? Yes. So that they may see your good works. There's more? Yes, sir. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so he says, you're the light, let your light shine so that people see your good works, see you doing what the law requires, and they glorify God. Why don't they glorify you? You're to let your light shine in such a way that they don't glorify you. You stop them from glorifying you. They glorify God for doing the works of their hands, as it says in in Psalms. It gives us a clue, and we might as well just jump into it from right here. You can see in in Isaiah where it says, it's too small a thing for you to be a light to Israel. I'm going to make you the light of the world. And then here you've got the passage that says, you are the light. It's because the light of Jesus is, is in you and that makes you the light of the world. It's him in you that makes you do all the requirements of the law. You remember Romans 8, 4? All the requirements of the law will be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power. You're the light of the world. Let it shine so that people glorify the Spirit's power that is in you. So when people see your good works. Yes. That means manifest. Yes. Remember, God is good. That is his ultimate attribute. 
God is good. He says that all through creation. Love is God's goodness in action. Kindness is God's, is love in the most practical way. So when people see your good works, you're loving, you're being loving, and they glorify God. Didn't Paul say the same thing? When we love one another, we fulfill the law, whatever commandment. Mm-hmm. It is fulfilled in this one word that you love one another. Yes. Love does no ill towards its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of all the law. Yes, because in First John 4, it says, In God is love, and God manifests his love through you. I think it's First John 4, 12 or so. God manifests his love through you. It's him loving through you, which is... Him fulfilling the law through you, the same thing as the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met by those who do not walk according to human effort, but by the Spirit's power. That is why Jesus said, come to me if you're heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law in you for you. You are not under the law, but he will do the righteous requirements of the law through you. That's why he died on Easter. That's why the Easter message is so important, because he went into the third heaven and came back down in the spirit to live in each one of us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He's going to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law. The law, the weight of that law that he said will never end is on him. That's the change. You don't have the burden of the law. He's got the burden of the law. So are you saying when he said, do not think I came to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them, that's what he meant? Yeah, and to fulfill them through each and every one of us so that we get credit for fulfilling the law. That's why it says, let your light shine so people will glorify God. Don't take the credit for when God is doing something good in you. Say, no, it's not me. It's God in me. That's speaking and acting as those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives freedom or being under the law of Christ that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. So as far as the law is concerned, what he means when he said, do not think I came to destroy it, he, he didn't come to say, okay, now it's okay to commit adultery. Now it's, you know, once in a while it's okay to steal. No. That would be the meaning of that word destroy, I think actually means like to water down or, or lower the standard. Oh, really? Okay. So it's not quite as, you know. Mm-hmm. But he said, don't think it is. Actually, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. And then he concludes the whole thing saying, be ye perfect. perfect. How perfect? As perfect as, as your Father in heaven, heaven is. <laughs> right. God the Father is the standard for the weight of the law. Yeah. So... He said, I won't abolish the law, but I will fulfill the law. And then he began fulfilling the law through you and me. And 
he had to go through Easter Sunday to do that. And that's what we want to look at. What he did on Easter Sunday and Resurrection Day. Because all history records is that he died on a cross. But we're going to see what, between him and God, what they pulled off. And so maybe read Hebrews 8 and we'll, we'll see what need, what Jesus needed to pull off. And, and we'll see why he needed to pull this off when he died. Okay, I'm going to read Hebrews 8. Can I start in 6? Mm-hmm. And then I'll let you comment yeah. on it. On, I'm going to put it all out there and then we can comment. Okay. Hebrews 8, starting at verse 6. But as is... As it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he found fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. Okay. So you see what it's telling you that Jesus had to pull off. He had to make a new covenant because God had found fault with the first covenant. So things had to change. And we're going to see why Jesus had to die to change those covenants. This will allow us to know why we celebrate Easter because of what Jesus had to do to change those covenants. So, Bill, read exactly what Jesus had to go through to change the covenants, and you'll find out why he was put on a cross. Okay, so I'm going to jump over to Hebrews 9. I'm going to pick it up in 14, which is kind of in the middle of a, a thought. But it says... It's talking about the blood of bulls and goats, but it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Verse 16. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. See, Jesus had to die to change the will. The will wouldn't have inaugurated without him dying. He had to shed his blood for the transgressions of everybody. That's the old part of the will. He just fulfilled the old part of the will because a perfect lamb just died on behalf of everybody and everybody got their sin debt paid for so That was the end of the burden of the law on mankind. The law says 
mankind is dead, so I can't enforce the law on dead people. The law has authority over a person only as long as they are alive. The law has authority over a person only as long as he is alive. One died for all, therefore all died. What verse is that? That is 2 Corinthians 5. 515, I think. I do too. I think it's 515. One died for all, therefore all died and paid their sin debt. The trans it said the transgressions had to be paid for, and then the new covenant would could be inaugurated, which is exactly what Jesus did for us on Easter. This is what the big picture of what we celebrate on Easter. And it says, back to the the Romans 7, that the law has authority over a person only as long as they are alive. And then it says, so you too died through by means of the body of Christ, and you are no longer under that covenant or that testament. The Old Testament, now you're under the New Testament. Exactly. And, and it explains it right here in Go where, ahead. We, where we are in Hebrews 9. Okay, so we're still in Hebrews 9. I'm going to go back to 17. I think I touched on it for continuity. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. If your rich uncle left you a Corvette, you have to wait till he's dead. You can't just go over to the garage and take it out. No. Terrible example, but so a will only goes into effect after a death certificate has been presented and said, okay, now the will goes into effect. Yes. And this is what Jesus was pulling off at the cross. He was getting these two covenants sorted. He was sorting these two covenants. In other words, he was fulfilling the first covenant and being the sacrificial lamb to, for the first covenant, for the payoff, for the transgressions, so that the new covenant could be inaugurated. Now the good news begins. This is why we celebrate Easter, because he changed everything for us. God bless him. See, the good news isn't just that he died for our sins. It's also that he made a new covenant for us to live under, which is much easier than that old covenant. This is a big part of the Easter message. This is a big reason why during Easter we say hallelujah. Amen. It's important to know that we see clearly that the standard never changed. The standard was never watered down, but the way it's fulfilled was totally changed. The way it was fulfilled was totally changed because... The burden was taken off of us and put on him who has no problem fulfilling it. Yep, yep. Because Hebrews goes on to say, therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he went into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
so he doesn't have to offer himself many times. He did it once for all. Went to the third heaven and offered himself for our Easter celebration. He offered himself to God, his blood on the holy altar in the third heaven. And then the new covenant was free to begin. And he asked God, is it now time to send down the Holy Spirit so people can live by the Spirit's power? And God sent the Holy Spirit back down on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit entered the twelve disciples, and they went out on the balcony, and Peter told the crowd that had gathered about Jesus in the gospel, and 3,000 people received the spirit of Jesus, and Jesus was going to now fulfill the law through each and every one of us. Again, the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the spirit's power. Jesus came back down on the day of Pentecost to live in us, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, which is live the model Christian life. He changed that covenant, and he did it all beginning at Easter time. It took him 50 more days to get it going. But when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, Jesus implemented or started or inaugurated or got the new covenant going. He put it in motion. And now the Spirit lives in people and people get born again by receiving the good news, listening to the good news and believing it. And then they're born again, which means the Spirit of Jesus is inside of them to live out and fulfill everything that God has planned for Jesus to do through each and every one of us. He's no longer a single person on this planet ministering, but he's seven billion people strong. He lives inside of so many Christians and ministers the gospel all around the world now. And that's what he did. He changed the way we live the Christian life. And if we could just get a hold of it. It's that simple. He started a new covenant that's better, a new covenant where he puts his spirit in us and causes us to walk in his statues. And everybody from the least to the greatest will experience the spirit. And you'll no longer have to teach people to experience the spirit because You'll see the Spirit, the Spirit talking through people in a tangible way. You can see God living out and speaking through you just as he's speaking through Bill and I tonight. It's not our words. It's the words of Jesus speaking for us. And Jesus can do the same thing for you. He can cause you to have the most eloquent, kind, graceful words that please everybody around you and you can be a source of pleasure to where people from 10 different nations will come just wanting to touch the hem of your garment 
they'll say you're so blessed and have such a great character that they want to be around you. And it's all done by the power of the spirit of Jesus in you. Him showing the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control, the faithfulness. He's exhibiting, manifesting, manifesting that fruit through you. And he takes the burden of living a righteous life, or like he said, following the, the law, every bit of it. You, the law is still going on, but it's fulfilled by Jesus, and you do not have the burden of the law. And when you mess up on any given day, it doesn't mean you broke the law and you need to make a sacrifice or some sort of amends to God. You may have to do that to the people around you. You may have disappointed them, but with God, you can draw near to God because he made this new covenant that says you can draw near to him. Every time you see yourself mess up, you can say, Lord, I need more of your power. I need more of your grace. Like Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's the grace of God that we're talking about and telling you about because it's such an awesome thing to experience. You can literally experience God. Experience God. You can see God speaking through people. You can experience heaven on earth. When you're experiencing Jesus, you're experiencing heaven on earth. This is that new covenant that he made and started on Easter Sunday that we celebrate. And I think most important is not combining the two covenants. When Jesus said it is finished, he took away the first covenant. Amen. To establish the second Yes. If you don't see the taking away of the first, you'll still try and live up to the demands of the old covenant to get fulfillment in the new covenant. For example, in that same Sermon on the Mount, he says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a true word for the Old Covenant. covenant. But what does it say in Colossians? Exactly. Forgive because you have have been been forgiven. It's a past done deal. You have been forgiven. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you, past tense. See, the epistles don't say ever again, forgive so that you can get forgiven. But I hear it on the radio and the TV all the time. I hear it, forgive so you can get forgiven. Man, it's a thing of the past. It shouldn't be mentioned. It shouldn't be talked about. Nobody should be saying things like that, but they are. They're they're talking like that every day, just all day long. I hear preacher after preacher stand up there and 
and say, hey, you got to forgive so you'll be forgiven. And you see it right there in the scriptures. It tells you you have been forgiven already. So forgive the people out of a kind heart, not so that God will let you live. That's a whole different dynamic. Being able to forgive someone because you know you've been forgiven for your whole life is a whole lot easier than I better forgive this person if I want God to forgive me. And I've lived under that kind of guilt. And that's old covenant dynamics, I guess is the word. Bill, we've lived that way. Yeah. We did. We did. We were right there with everyone. And so Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount, and isn't Matthew 5 and 6 the New Covenant? No, it's not. Right. It's We just read that in Hebrews 9, that, that a covenant does not go into effect until the death of the one who inaugurates it. Jesus was still alive on the Sermon on the Mount. The New Covenant had not gone into effect. Gentiles weren't even part of that conversation on the Sermon on the Mount. How about this? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Nobody was forgiven till Jesus shed his blood on the cross and the altar. No, it says the sins were covered, but they weren't taken away. But now in the new covenant, sin has been removed. Removed. It's not an issue. It's not an issue. It is an issue to the people around you, but as far as God's forgiveness, it's not an issue. Right. It was once, one sacrifice for all sin, for all time, and then it says he sat down, having finished his work. Please don't feel that you have to forgive to be forgiven. It it grieves my heart to think that people were out, because I felt it. I felt it. I had a time when I was forgiving so that God would forgive me. And just think about the person you can't forgive. Then you're sitting there going, God won't forgive me. Oh, man, I got to forgive this guy. But inside of you, you can't. You, You were wronged. And even if you can't, you're still forgiven. You're still forgiven. He forgave you. Past tense. This is what the new covenant is about. That things like forgive so you can be forgiven should not be said in today. It robs the new covenant of its mercy. It robs the new covenant of its power. It robs the new covenant of its effectiveness. Because you have to have a clear conscience to live under the new covenant. And you can never have one with the mixture of the Old and New Covenant together. Do you realize that? You have to have, you have to be feeling a clear conscience toward God in the New Covenant. And if you're not feeling a clear conscience toward God, then something is drastically wrong. It's just wrong. They're not getting Christianity right. Peter says, and I think it's 1 Peter 1, that he's talking about the, the inauguration of the new covenant. And he says, add to your fruit, joy, and 
he, he lists some of the fruit of the spirit characters. Yeah. And then it says, if we have this fruit in increasing measure, we will be fruitful and productive in the new covenant. But if you're not bearing fruit, it says you're blind or short-sighted. You're not seeing what Jesus did. It says you're blind or short-sighted and have what forgotten about the purification of all your sin. Isn't that exactly what it says here? Draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water. Hold on to this confession. This confession that I'm okay with God. And don't let anybody give you that feeling that you're not okay with God. You are okay with God. He loves you. You shouldn't feel like he's mad at you. If somebody's making you feel like he's mad at you, it's not good. It's not right. That's not the gospel. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what you should be listening to. You should know that you have a clear conscience with God. I mean, in Peter, it also says that baptism doesn't cleanse you, but baptism is a pledge of a clean conscience toward God. You're literally pledging to say, I won't feel guilty about my relationship with me and God. People around you is a different story. You're out there trying to please the people around you and you tell them you're sorry when you disappoint them because you are the ambassador of Christ to those people. So if you need to make amends to those people, do that knowing that God loves you and wants to help you please those people. He wants to help you please those people. He made a new covenant where he would do it through you and your sins and lawless deeds. He'll forget no more. Remember no more. That was the first covenant. <laughs> yeah. Your you sins and lawless, lawless deeds. He'll remember, remember no, no more. more. But half of us are going around thinking our sins and lawless deeds he'll forget no more. As far as the east is from the west. Yeah, like there's a ledger in heaven going to tell you about all your evil deeds. A video. No. Yeah. Oh. Have you heard such terrifying thoughts? Oh, I used to get tracks and oh, regrettably... The chick I, tracks? The chick tracks. That had the god on the big high throne looking down at the guy and giving an account for his whole life. Been thrown into hell. Been thrown into hell. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There, there's there's a lot of fear mongering. And, and then there's a lot of just plain error. Some people preach as hard as they can, but they, they actually don't know what they're talking about. They haven't seen it yet. As we've talked to on past podcasts, as we've talked about on past podcasts, this this new covenant, this this word of his grace is something that really is caught 
more than taught. Amen. It's, Amen. it's an awakening to it. Yes. It is an epiphany. Y- yeah. It's rightfully called a grace awakening that's that's happening all over the world. People are awakening, awakening to it. Yes, and I want to be part of that. that. That's where I want to be. And I hope that you want to be part of that grace movement too. Because the grace movement is actually the new covenant movement. We're just moving towards the new covenant and realizing what the new covenant is. And the new covenant is you live by the grace of God, the power of God. So we hope you join us and we want to make a worldwide ministry and we hope you'll be a part of it. Come come look at our new webpage. That, Not ashamed of it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Somebody volunteered to rebuild our, our webpage and I think they did an awesome job. They've even got a a, a blog page. So we're starting to blog on Guardians of Grace. We'll see how that goes. But so far, we've got one blog up there and we're going to keep on, hopefully, a couple of weeks. Guardinggrace.com. Guarding, how you get there. Say it again. Guardinggrace.com. Doesn't get any easier than that. That's I what, think there's even a donate button. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, yeah. Now we're not under tithing anymore. No, no. But if you do yeah. fall back to the law and feel the need to tithe, we're here to help. Yeah, we're here to help. That's funny. You yeah. can donate ten percent. Right. right, right. No, all, all our donations is is just to get this message out. That's what we're trying to do. If you donated any money, it would be going to expanding the reach of the grace message. If you feel that's important, by all means. It's not paying anyone. Yeah. In fact, we put way more of our own money into this than anything we've gotten out of it. So, And we, and we never even talk about giving money. It's not why we're here. But if you do want to donate, we want this gospel of grace to, to go viral. Oh, Viral is not a good word. <laughs> it is a good word. If we could go to a million people all of a sudden, wow, could happen. Never know what the Lord can do. We but, wanted to increase 30, 70, 100 fold. Yeah. Yes, yes. And we've already seen some some sort of that with the guy who built our webpage. Yeah, we're in Africa. Where else are we? India? Yeah, and and this week we got downloads from Japan. Wow, I didn't even know that. I know, it's a new one. Some some, some people from Japan are starting to download the podcast. Uh, I don't know how they found it, but I'm sure glad they did. If you guys... If you like this message, please share it with people. Tell them where the podcast is. Tell them they, they should listen. And comment on our webpage. Join our webpage. Join our Facebook page. Partner with us. Yes. When you get to the webpage, all you have to do is click the button that takes you to the Facebook page, and you're right in the middle of things. And there's one more thing on the webpage 
that's still got some bugs in it and it is kind of slowing us down. Any word on that yet? No, no, I'm trying to get it fixed. It's this one page where the podcasts are. It says subscribe to RSS. It goes nowhere and I can't get it to where it's supposed to go. But that's the world of computers, something I'm not very savvy with. Now, Houdini couldn't figure that one out. Yes, <laughs> yes. But anyway, we love you guys. We love you. Good night. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, yeah. Father God, please bless us. Please don't let us be double-minded. Make us single-minded. The mind of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death. The mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Give us the mind of the Spirit continually so that we walk in the Spirit throughout the day and we manifest the Spirit, not our human nature. That's not good. Cause us to walk in the Spirit. Cause us to remember what covenant we are and not to be swayed by comments made on the TV and everything that just, they're they're not cool. They're not cool. Father God, cause us, empower us, strengthen us to live in the new covenant. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can see this new covenant clearly, Father. Give it to all the guardians of grace and let's spread the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night, you guys. We love you. Good night.